Well, welcome to the Marty Vinto Show podcast. I'm your host, Marty Vinto, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. The one that they have called the blue-collar theologian, trying to help others make sense of God's holy word, the Bible. Well, thank you so much for joining with us here today on the Marty Vinto Show. It is a delight to be with you. Uh, we have been in this conversation talking about death, and uh, I can tell you right now that uh, a lot of people have um, been listening to this topic, but at the same time, as I knew it would happen, there are many who just don't want to go there. I've already had somebody say, can't you talk about something else other than death? Well, once again, uh, death is a very important topic. And if you have taken the time to listen to the podcast so far, you would understand just why it is so important, because all of us are going to, at some point in time, we are going to face death. And um, today we are going to talk about those who have not put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for their salvation, what they should expect when it comes to death. What is death going to look like for the unbeliever? Now, last time we got together, we talked about death for the believer. We talked about it, you know, being the peace, the final rest. We talked about God's glory, the joy. I mean, there's so many things that uh, God has to say about those who die in Christ, those who die believing and trusting in him by faith. Uh, They are actually, according to God's holy word in Psalms 116, verse 15, They are precious to him, uh, the saints who die in the Lord. They're precious to him. Why? Because they are adopted children of the living God. Uh, They've been born from above. Uh, They have been promised an inheritance. They have been rescued. They have been saved from the wrath of God that is yet to come. And uh, when we talk about death, as I mentioned to you many times before, death is a result of sin that took place in the garden with Adam. He was held responsible And so when it comes to death, uh, we are also going to die. All the human race, we are going to die until the return of Jesus Christ. And um, when we talk about death, um, there is going to come a time where God is going to do away with death. There will not be any more death. Uh, We know that Jesus conquered death, for on the third day he rose again from the grave, And uh, we know that he actually holds the keys of death in Hades. And uh, there's so much to be said about this topic, it's unbelievable. Matter of fact, I probably should have shared some of this with you before, but there are a lot of terminology that is used when it comes to death. Now, remember the statistic, and I want to repeat it again because it's worth thinking about and pondering. There are approximately 150,000 people who die each and every day. Some, it may be a little, even a little bit over that amount. That's about 4.5 million each month, which is the size of Los Angeles, California. So that's a lot of people that are passing away all across the world today. But when we look at God's Word and we look at the issue of death, the grave, we see some terminology that quite often is used. For instance, in the New Testament, you have the word Hades that's used about 10 times. And Hades uh, is that place of abode, the unseen of the dead. Some have called it the nether world 
the abode of departed souls. Remember we mentioned the fact that when we talk about death, we talk about the soul, the spirit leaving the body. So we see about ten times that word is mentioned in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, the word sheol, which is mentioned probably about 31, 32 times, somewhere in there, it is the realm of the dead in general when they talk about Sheol. Then we have the use of the word Gehenna. Gehenna is used about uh, a dozen times or so in the Bible, and it refers to hell. It's the Valley of Hinnom, uh, the place of final punishment, uh, the place uh, uh, where people go in the very end. And also we have the mention of the word, uh, the lake, or excuse me, of fire which is mentioned only in the book of Revelation, by the way. And it is really the permanent place of the body and the soul after the final resurrection. And hopefully we'll have time, not today, but some other uh, show to be able to share that with you. But the truth of the matter is, when we think about Gehenna, when we think about hell, when we think about that place uh, that is burning, as some would call it, uh, we begin to understand better what is yet to come and why this is punishment, why this is judgment of God, once again, because of sin. And there's some things that I begin to realize about death itself, and uh, the truth of the matter is when we talk about death, especially to the unbeliever, we have to make it clear that death is God's judgment, God's wrath against sin. Now, some people believe a loving God would never send anyone to hell. That's just not true. Uh, the truth of the matter is, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that all of us come into this world, and by nature, we are children of wrath by nature. I mean, the truth of the matter is we, we already come into this world heading towards hell. And the truth of the matter is most people don't even think about it. Most people don't even ponder it. I mentioned to you the story or the parable in Luke chapter 12 where uh, Jesus talks about this man who he was very rich and productive, and he started reasoning to himself and said, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, that's how most people live their lives. There is no concept or thought about death or what lies ahead. But in this parable in Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 13 right down through 21, this is what God says. I want you to listen to this carefully. But God said to him, you fool. Wow, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you. Now, I want you to think about it. This man is thinking about his future on earth. He's thinking about his business. He's thinking about his prosperity and how to be more prosperous and how to enjoy life and everything. I mean, he really has the world by the seat of its pants. Then all of a sudden, God steps in and says, tonight, not tomorrow, not next week, not a year from now, tonight, your soul is going to be required of you. And that goes back to what I mentioned before about death. When we talk about death, you know, the questions that people uh, ask quite often is, when am I going to die? We don't know. God does. 
There's a time to be born and a time to die. And I would say to you that God holds that time. God is in control of that. You know, then the next question is, how am I going to die? Now, here's what's interesting in this parable. We don't know how this guy is going to die. We have no idea. We just know that he's planning for the future. He's not thinking about his soul. He's not thinking about eternity. He's not thinking about death. And God steps in and says, tonight, your soul is going to be required of you. But listen to what he says uh, next, because this is very interesting. He says, and now, who will own what you have prepared? You know, think about that. You know, quite often we talk about wills, we talk about preparing for the future. But I think what God here is making it clear to this man is, you're not going to live forever. See, the mindset is of a human being, they don't want to think about death, they don't want to go there, because they want to believe that they can live forever. I saw an interesting news um, story yesterday in the evening news, the national news, about a gentleman who's 97 years of age. He fought in World War II, and he is bagging groceries at a grocery store. And he is as active and as vibrant as, as it could possibly be at 97. And he just kind of has this outlook that every day is a gift. Every day you get up, you have to just, you know, go and, and just kind of attack the day. And, and do things that are productive. And he loves to be at the grocery store. He loves to meet people. He loves to talk to people. And he's 97 years of age. But guess what? He's going to die. He doesn't know when he's going to die. He doesn't even know how he's going to die. But he's going to die. And, and I think having a good attitude, I think, you know, having a positive attitude and looking upon life and looking even into the future, it's, it's not necessarily wrong but as I mentioned when I first started this series here on this podcast, is that we have to realize we are only here on this earth a very short period of time compared to what? Eternity. When you think about eternity, you think about that which goes on and on and on. Uh, and I, as I mentioned to you, go to somebody's grave site, you could see their name, you could see their date of birth, you could see um, uh, their date of death. And in many cases, if you take the time and you look at it very carefully and clearly, you'll begin to see, too, the truth of the matter is they have been dead much, much longer than they were alive here upon this earth. And that really is my point. That's what I'm trying to stress here to all of you who are listening. This man here didn't think about death. He didn't go there. He didn't care to go there. He basically was worried about today and today only and really his future, and yet at the same time he didn't have a future. Because God said, tonight it's done. And I know a lot of people don't want to think about that. A lot of people just don't want to go there. I mean, I think that myself this morning, there was no guarantee this morning that I would wake up, that I would have life and breath. And some people say, you really think about that kind of stuff? Yeah, because every day is a gift from God. And I realize that today, God has given me another day on this earth for his purposes. And just like doing this podcast, you know, he's given me another opportunity. He's given me life and breath, air in my lungs, to be able to sit here and put together another podcast that hopefully will reach somebody, if not many people out there in our world, and will help them to better understand this topic that is of the utmost importance. So I want, to, I want to just finish this up here real quick. But in Luke chapter 12, God goes on to say this. Listen carefully here. 
He says, uh, once again, now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There's the key to this. He's not rich towards God. He is laying up stuff for his own self because it's all about him. It's not about that which is eternal. It's not about that which will last forever. It's not about the things of God. It's about himself. But I think the principles are here uh, when it comes to death. So when we talk about death, let's talk about the fate of, uh, of a person just like this man in the parable who's wealthy. Uh, he's thinking about gaining more wealth. Uh, he's looking toward the future. He's going to eat, meet, or eat, drink, and be merry. He's just going to enjoy life. He has the world by the seat of the pants. But yet when he goes into eternity, where is he heading? He's heading to the wrath of God. That is where he's heading. Somebody had once asked me, what motivates you to talk, to share uh, on radio, face-to-face, to tell people about Jesus Christ? What really motivates you? Well, there's a few factors that motivate me, but one of the things that motivate me is realizing that the person that I'm talking to, I was once just like them. I cared about—I was just like the guy in the parable. I cared about myself— I cared about my life. I cared about the things of this world. I was in love with the things of this world. I was worried about me and my future, about how much I could gain, what I could get from it. Now, I, I did take a little bit of different perspective. I was, I was desiring to meet the right woman. I was longing to be a father and to raise children. Uh, I, I, I really wanted to make a name for myself, and I wanted to be recognized and the things that I was capable of doing in life, I was good at. And, you know, I, I got I got plaques, I got trophies, I got, you know, certificates, I got things to prove it. And I was desiring, just like most people, to paint the picture of a life that really, I'm the king. I'm in control. It's all about me. It's about what I do. It's about what I want. So when I share with people, when I share the gospel when I'm talking on radio or doing a podcast like this. My desire is for them to come to realize what I realized. It's not about me. It is about God, the creator. It is about what he has done for me by sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for my sin so that I may be rescued, that I may have life eternal, that I may not experience his wrath to come. And that wrath is in a place called hell. And I'll tell you truthfully, the place that I go to more often than any is Luke chapter 16. It is the parable about the rich man and Lazarus. And here's what's interesting. It's the only parable that I'm aware of in the Bible that a real man's name is used, which I really believe I, I, has much to say just based upon that that aspect. This is a man, possibly when Jesus is sharing that, maybe people knew this man. But he uses a man's name. But listen to what he says, and I shared a little bit with you just the other day, but but here's very important for us. It says, now there was a certain rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and in fine living, uh, gaily living in splendor every day. 
And a certain poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now it came about that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. So right away we see that, um, as I mentioned before in another podcast, the angels came and took the soul of the poor man or of Lazarus, and they carried him to the bosom of Abraham, which is a reference to really heaven, to where Abraham is, to the presence of God. But listen to what happens here. The rich man also died. He's buried. And it says here, And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Well, first of all, we realize Hades, once again, another reference to hell, another reference to a place where those who are unbelievers, those who have rejected Jesus Christ, those who do not have faith in God, the only true and living God, he lifted up his eyes. In other words, he could see. So when we talk about the soul, we talk about the soul going into eternity, the soul can see. The soul is consciously aware of his or her surroundings. The soul's aware. So he's lifting up his eyes, so there's a conscious awareness. We also see from this verse here that he has feelings. It says here, being in torment. So he has feelings in hell, and the feelings he ha- he's in torment. I'm not sure if you've ever been tormented before. If you've ever been able, you know, you went through something and it just been pure torment. But I believe here the torment that is being spoken of is something that could never, ever really truly be understood here on the earth. It is something that is beyond our understanding because it is a part of the wrath of God. But he is in torment. So he's able to see, he lifts up his eyes, he's in torment, torment. he sees Abraham far away, and Lazarus in his bosom. Uh, I, I think to myself here, too, you know, is it possible, based upon this parable, that people who are in hell, a part of God's wrath, a part of God's punishment upon sin is that they can see what they missed out. They can literally see other people in that realm, and they can't be there. They can't go there. They There's no way for them to possibly escape from where they're at. And I'll, I'll help you understand this in just a moment here. And it says here um, that he, when he saw him, he cried out and said, so obviously the soul can speak, the soul can communicate. And in this case, Abraham, Father Abraham, as he was known, who is the, the spiritual father of the Jews, Abraham that we find in the book of Genesis, the, the one in which God made the covenant with and, and for the Jewish people and those all who would believe like Abraham by faith, and we could go on and on. But he cries out and he says, uh, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. 
So once again, he, he the part of the soul, you're able to communicate, uh, you're able to hear, you have desires, you have longings, you can feel pain. In this case, once again, the torment specifically, he's in agony in the flame. There is a flame. And I would say to you, based upon other passages of Scripture, this is a flame that never ends. It never goes away. This torment never goes away. It is eternal. Now, I've had some people over the years, and I know that there are some religious belief systems that deny this. They believe that when you die, if you're not a believer, it's all over. You don't exist anymore. Nothing happens. It's, it's done. You're over with. Well, my problem with that is, is it all goes against Scripture, and especially the words that are used about the eternal destruction, the eternal punishment, uh, the judgment of God. There's a penalty to be paid for sin. I firmly believe, and again, I can't get into every aspect right here on this podcast, but you're in eternal punishment. It's never-ending. There's never going to be a break. There's never going to be, you know, time out. There's never going to be halftime. There's never going to be a time when you are going to be comforted. Matter of fact, in the story here, we see here, he's asking for comfort. We also see his attitude. His attitude is that he wants Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool him off. So again, he's in this flame, but he has an attitude again. Lazarus was nothing more than a poor beggar. He was worthless to him. And and even in hell, he has this attitude. Send Lazarus. You know, he begged bread outside of my gate. You know, at least he could do is bring me some water on the tip of his finger, you know, and, and, and cool me off here in this flame. But listen to what Abraham says quickly. Child, remember that during your life you received good things. And likewise, Lazarus, bad things. Now, this is interesting. Just like the parable of the rich man, there are people in our world today, not that we can't enjoy the things of this world, but they love the things of this world. They are wealthy. They are well-known. They're popular. They have everything. They have the world by the seat of its pants, but they are lost. They have rejected Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. They reject God. They mock God. They not serve God. All they do is serve themselves. And so they receive in this world good things. Matter of fact, when we talk about the grace of God, some folks would talk about what is called in theology common grace. And that would be a picture here of common grace, that it is based on the fact that God is good and all good things come from God, But the good things that these people receive, it's going to end quickly. And here you have Lazarus, who was obviously one who believed in God, one who loved God, yet his life was filled with pain and sorrow. His life was bad things is what people would believe here on this earth. But listen to what it says, and but now, those words, but now. Now, this is eternity, but now. He is being comforted here, and you are in agony. Now, once again, folks, when we start thinking about eternity, that comfort for Lazarus is never going to end. That discomfort, that pain, that agony for the rich man is never going to end. It's eternity. So, so when I begin to realize this, you, you begin to see that in the story that there is so much to talk about here. So when we talk about hell, we begin to realize things about hell. First of all, hell is factual. God's Word, the Bible, 
We have the prophets. We have Jesus. We have the apostles, the Bible writers. They, they talk, they write, they speak about hell. They speak about Sheol. They speak about Hades, Gehenna, the lake of fire. They speak about the wrath of God, the judgment to come. We also realize, too, based upon what we're reading so far, people who know what hell's about, they should be fearful. They should be fearful to go to hell. You know, how often have you heard somebody, maybe you've done it yourself, oh, go to hell, or you heard somebody else say, go to hell. And it's kind of flippantly used, but if we understand what hell is all about, if we understand it is the wrath of God, it's the judgment of God on sin, it is a place for those who don't believe, and we understand that it is eternal, I don't know why we would ever wish hell on anyone, even our worst enemy. So hell should be a fearful place. We also recognize this, that hell is a final place, and there's other scripture that could go along with this, but it's final. It's everlasting. It will never go away. It can never be changed. That rich man in hell is still there today as I do this podcast. And the truth of the matter is, too, when it comes to hell, hell is fair. See, all men deserve, rightfully so, the wrath of God. They deserve hell. They deserve God's punishment for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Because of Adam, all men are going to die. They're going to experience death, but again, in that death, what are we talking about? For those who have believed, for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, there's no longer condemnation. There's forgiveness. There's reconciliation. There's adoption. We have been justified. We've been declared righteous by God because we have believed in Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone. He has saved us by his grace. But for the sinner, for the person who's in Adam, the person who's not trusted in Jesus, guess what? It is a fair judgment. And all men who are saved, they're saved by God's grace. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't pay for it or pray for it. It is fair. So when we talk about hell, we're talking about, once again, a place that is, that is factual, a place that is fearful, a place that is final, and a place that is fair. We see the conscious torment. We see the mental torment. We see the physical pain. We see the emotional suffering in hell. We see that as an internal punishment. We find verses like Matthew 25, 46 used by Jesus. The Bible also talks about hell being a place of outer darkness, the gnashing of teeth, but at the same time, there's a flame. They're in the flame. They they feel like they're burning, and they can't stop the burning. And here, the rich man wants Abraham to send Lazarus, just dip his finger in the, in the water and cool his tongue, and it ain't going to happen. It's not going to take place. It talks about the flames. It talks about memory. He understood. He knew who Lazarus was. He understood his life before. He understood what was experiencing now. So think about it when it comes to the soul. You see all these things that are taking place when someone dies. And here's what Abraham says quickly. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed in order that those who wish to come over here to you may not be able. Stop right there. You're never going to be able to get out of hell. You're never going to be able to leave. It's eternal. It's God's judgment. It's damnation upon your soul. You're not leaving. 
You can't, no matter how bad you want to come over to the other side, you can't do it. It's final. And then it's, he goes on to say, and that none may cross over from here to us. Now, when we think about this here, that none may cross over from there to us, it's not going to happen. Um, it's They're not able to leave hell and the people in heaven, if they wanted to show mercy or wanted to come over, and they're not going to be able to. So, so once again, I, I want to stress this. <sighs> Your final destination is your final destination, either in the presence of God or separated from God from all eternity. In the last verse there, I got it backwards for just a moment because I was getting passionate about this because it does. It, this, this, this parable bothers me. That's why the Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None. Because he realizes the finality, he realizes the fairness, he realizes that people are going to suffer, but at the same time, the punishment is just. And he said, then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Once again, the place is considered a place of torment. We see in three different places here in this passage, it's a place of torment. This is not fun and games. There's not a bunch of people partying in hell and everybody hooping it up, listening to some hard rock music and drinking beer and having a great time with their friends. That's not what's happening in hell. But he's asking for somebody to return from the dead. Now, you know, that's big today. People coming back from the dead, you know, the dead talking and communicating to people, which is all sin. Let me just share this with you. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. I want you to know that the enemy is powerful. Satan himself, he's powerful. And many things that take place and things that happen are to deceive people. But guess what? The answer is already here. Listen, Abraham said, no one's leaving where they're at. But he says, wait, I got five brothers. Send Lazarus back to earth that he can warn them. Why would you warn someone? Think about this. You warn someone because you know what's ahead of them is horrifying. It's terrible. It's frightening. I mean, I could go on and on. You're to warn people. But listen to what Abraham says. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Wow. Now, folks, I could go on and on about this, and I could dissect this verse a little bit more. I could talk more about it. But the bottom line is this, even somebody coming back from the dead they're not going to believe. Well, guess who did come back from the grave? Jesus Christ. He resurrected. He rose again on the third day. But here God is making it clear through Abraham, even if that took place, they're not going to believe. 
They have to listen to Moses and the prophets. In other words, Moses and the prophets, what did they do? They preached the good news. They called men to repentance and to put their faith and their trust in God and God alone. And guess what? Most did not. They mocked them. They killed the prophets. They hated them. They did not want to hear the message. Well, guess what? Nothing's changed today. People don't want to hear this type of broadcast. They don't want to hear this podcast and about heaven and hell and about the things of God. They just don't. They want to hear other things. They want to hear how they become more wealthier, how they could be, a, you know, uh, achieve greatness in our world. You know, they, they want to hear things about things that make them feel good, things that they are about. It's not about the things of God. And I could say so much more about that. It's because no one seeks after God. No one wants him. Because men are born depraved sinners. They're wretched. They're evil. They're wicked. They're spiritually dead. They don't care until it's too late. But see, we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to go to every creature. We are to tell them about Jesus. And we do so, and we're motivated. One of the reasons we're motivated is because we've been changed. We have the Spirit of God within us. It's as God is pleading with us, or through us, excuse me. We beg you on behalf of God, behalf of Jesus, be reconciled to him through Christ. God gave us the answer before it's too late. See, the bottom line is we know that hell is just a horrifying place. But my question is, as I close up this podcast, and so much more I could say about hell. I mean, God created hell really for the devil and his angels. But we know that wicked people, those who have sinned against God, now they're going to be there also. So, you know, the question is, do you have to spend eternity in hell? The answer is no. Well, how do I keep from spending the eternity in hell? Well, place your trust, your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. That's what you need to do. You need to trust him that, as I said before, he lived a life that you could not live. He paid the penalty for your sins that you yourself could not pay. You're trusting that on the third day he conquered death. He appeased God the Father for that penalty by paying that penalty of shed blood upon that cross. On the third day, he rose again from the grave. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He is God's answer. He is the only answer. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to heaven. No one gets to the Father except through me. He's the only way. It's not through other religious belief systems in all of them, except for biblical Christianity, you're attempting, you're working, you're striving, you're trying to accomplish something that will appease God so that someday you will experience joy, bliss, peace, contentment. You'll be in a place of safety. You'll enjoy eternity, but it doesn't work that way. God saved you from himself by sending you his only begotten son. His wrath is coming, and it has already come upon people who don't believe. Those who've went before us, 
who did not believe, who rejected Jesus, who did not put their faith in God and him alone, they are perishing today. They are like the rich man. They are in agony. They are in suffering. They are in torment. They are in darkness. And what's so interesting about it, too, and I shared this with somebody the other day, every time I see hell mentioned, I don't see people talking with each other in hell. I really believe that we're in a kind of a compartmentalized type of situation. We are suffering kind of in our own isolation, kind of like being in prison, and you're put away from all the other inmates in total isolation, and there's nothing, there's no one who can help you. There's no one who could stop what you're going through. And again, I know this is a parable, but I look at this and I think it's a possibility that you, the people in hell can see. They can understand what they have missed, but they're constantly suffering. They're constantly in torment. They remember what they have done. They remember the life that they lived. They remember the fact that they have rejected God. They have mocked him and turned away from his son, Jesus Christ. They made fun of Christians. They didn't want to hear about this this gospel message. I could go on and on and on. And now they're in their eternal place. They're in their eternal place. You know what's interesting, too, about the rich man quickly? He never asked to leave. I have read that passage over and over again, and I'm stunned by that. He didn't ask Abraham, Father Abraham, get me out of here. Help me to get out of here. And here's what I believe why. He knows that he deserves it. I believe that people in hell know that they deserve God's wrath. They deserve God's punishment. It is fair and just. But that doesn't stop the torment. Just because they acknowledge, just because they know that. They want God to have mercy upon them, but God won't. Because God gave them mercy upon them when they were here on this earth. Through what he's created, they knew that he existed. But yet they didn't worship him or serve him, the Bible says. They made false gods and idols, and they worshiped them and served. And again, the biggest idol and the biggest God that we create is our own self. We are God. We do what we want to do when we want to do it. We don't care about the real, true, and living God. We mock him. We take his name in vain. We stand opposed to him and his word. And then when he sent his only begotten son, we reject it. And that is what man does. And that's why I'm grateful and thankful each and every day that Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Because when eternity comes knocking, whether it be today, tomorrow, 10, 20 years from now, as you're listening to this podcast, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you will be in eternity. But where will you be? Will you be in the presence, the comfort, the peace, the joy of God in that place called heaven? Or will you be in eternal torment? And i got to be honest with you, I, I could say so much more about this. And this is one of the topics that I am so, so passionate about. And the reason why I'm passionate about it is because I do believe, believe with all that is within me, that people who do not know Jesus Christ, who have not believed, have not put their faith, their trust in him, have not turned to God and God alone for salvation, they are lost. They're lost. And someday, at an appointed time to die, they're going to face their judgment. 
and their judgment. It's going to be fair. Their judgment is going to be factual. Judgment's going to be final. And they should be afraid. All men should quiver. All men should shake. But the Bible says, especially in the last days, they have no fear of God before their eyes. No fear. But we as Christians must continue to share the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ with a world that is lost. If you want to know more about Jesus, want to know more about this good news, want to know more about heaven and hell, maybe you have questions, email me, martyminto at gmail.com. And I will do my very best to answer your questions. I will do my very best to share with you. But remember, this is what God has showed us. This is what God has given to us through the human author, Luke, who was a physician, a doctor, medical doctor, and shared the reality of this is what Jesus taught. Two men, two destinies, and one of them was a place, again, constantly repeated, a place of tormented. Thank you so much for listening, folks. 